Hello and welcome to the B2B Sales Playbook, brought to you by Lead Forensics. I am your host, Joe Ducaro. In this podcast, I pick the brains of industry experts, innovators and sales leaders to draw up a series of playbooks full of actionable tips and tricks for you to take away and run with. For this, the cold calling playbook, I was joined by Antoine Marsden, co-founder and chief sales officer at Sales Driven, the UK's number one performance sales agency. Antoine is a really knowledgeable guy who gives some brilliant advice and tips to consider when making cold calls. Prepare to take notes, there's so much good stuff in this episode. So please enjoy the B2B sales playbook on cold calling with Antoine Marsden. In your experience, how effective is cold calling as a method of sales? Is it essential? In my view, yeah, absolutely essential. The reason I say that is because there's nothing else in an outbound motion or even on an inbound motion where it gets you into a direct conversation with somebody. It's direct feedback. It is the kind of quickest route you can have into somebody. And it also gives you a very good understanding of the type of personality that you're dealing with when you have somebody on the phone. You don't get that from an email. You can be anybody on keyboard. We all know this, right? I believe that as an effective strategy for your sales motion, whether you focus on demand capture or demand generation, having that outbound sales development and those calls taking place with your prospects and with your target audience is absolutely critical to growth. To go straight in with what I imagine is probably one of the bigger barriers with cold calling then, you must come up against rejection every day. How do you cope with dealing with the rejection and then getting into a position where you can talk to someone who can make a decision? It's a really good question. And I think it comes down to the development of an abundance mindset. And what I mean by that is no matter what you do in your life, you're going to experience a lot of rejection before you actually get to the end goal, right? Or the objective. There's very few people that walk through life getting yes to everything. How many times have you wanted to speak to the girl and you got a no because you're not their type, right? And that's not on you, right? That's just that's that person, that's their preference. At that time, you weren't that person. Down the line, you might be, but you're not there and then. And I think that the misconception that people have with the rejection is that it's about them. I've called this person and they've rejected me. And then that impacts on my self-image, on my self-belief, and it makes me not want to pick up the phone anymore. But all they're rejecting is the message. They're potentially rejecting the approach, but they're not rejecting you as a human being. So for me, it makes it very easy to say, I've made a hundred calls today. I've spoken to 10, 15 people and five or six people said that they didn't want to speak to me today. That's no skin off my nose because you have a conversation with seven or eight people where you start to understand, okay, am I speaking with you at the right time? Have I caught you with a problem that I think that I can help you solve? Or is there even any reason for us to have a conversation at some point over the course of the next six to 12 months, for example? The end goal for me is to try and have as many conversations as I can. And obviously the end goal for somebody who you're calling on a cold call is to get off that call as quickly as possible because you're an interruption. So (laughs) it's that balance, right? It's that kind of fine balance between do you call somebody with a message that resonates, that makes them say, aha, okay, this is something that I need to speak more on. Or is it something at that time where you've called somebody where they're just about to I don't know, switch off for the day, take their dog out for a walk, take their daughter to a play, and you've just not you've just not come at the right time at all. That, that could be seen as rejection. 
but it's just the wrong timing. Anybody that says not interested, for example, not interested, go away, why are you calling me? You could have caught them on a bad day. It may be somebody who just doesn't take cold calls. Either way, it's finding the right channel for somebody, it's finding the right timing for somebody, and it's coming to them with the right message. It's normally those three that are a factor in being able to get somebody on the phone or get somebody from a cold outreach and have a conversation with you. So it's very much, yes, it's often, if someone rejects you in quite a rude way, it's generally, there's something else going on, isn't there? It must still be quite tricky, perhaps in the early days as well, just to realise that, as you say, it's a numbers game, but even still, it's got to be at for, the, the forefront of your mind is, as you say, it's rejecting the message rather than you personally. That's still got to be quite a difficult thing to get your head around. So did it take you a long time to figure that out when you first started? Or was it an immediate, okay, it's not me. I know what I'm doing. I know who I am, all that sort of stuff. Did it take you long to get to that mindset? I don't think it did. I started on the phones when I was, what, maybe 20, 21, 22. We're talking 17, 18 years of cold calling and i very quickly realized that there's just some people that don't want to talk to you right you could call them with a million pounds cash today <laughs> and they don't want to talk to you and that's why it then put me in the mindset of all right no problem the biggest thing for me is that i've got a set amount of time and in that time there's a set amount of calls that i want to be able to make because i want to have a set amount of conversations as long as i make this same amount of calls a day my conversations should average out to 10, 15, 20 conversations. And then that's why I'm measuring out of those conversations. What's the impact I'm having in those conversations? Unfortunately, as much as it is, if sales were easy, then everybody would come and make cold calls, right? Because you'd get through, you'd make a hundred calls, you get through to a hundred people and a hundred people would accept your message. But it's not like that because everybody's being called by everybody else who's also selling something similar or something to that same person that's requiring them to take time attention budget for x solution and your message has to be the one that grabs them and if it's not then may, again maybe it's just not the right time maybe it's not something that they can deal with at that point maybe they're on their way out the business maybe they're set to i don't know maybe something set to happen a structural reorganization whatever they just can't speak to you right now they're just not open to having the conversation with you at that time it doesn't mean that if you call them again in a week or two weeks when they're sat at home with their feet up on the sofa that they're not going to be more relaxed and willing to speak with. Let me just assure you, Antoine, if you were to phone me with a million pound offer, then please, I'd, I'll give you my number straight after this. That's no problem at all. In terms of getting to a good position, to try and minimise the rejection, I guess, then how do you, what are some effective methods you use to research and then prepare for a cold call? You, you can do this a number of ways, right? You can spend time going through your leads for the day. So if you're going to do that, do it the night before, because one thing you don't want to do is, take up time doing during what your what should be your prospecting hours on doing research. It just takes up too much time. So if you're going to research, do it the day before. Look at the companies. Are they all in the same type of industry? Am I speaking with the same type of job title? Do they have the same, they should all have the same type of challenge that I can help to solve. And then from there, again, you look at that list and you're like, if I can have 10 conversations out of this list tomorrow, then I'm happy with that. That's a good result essentially what's the biggest importance is the person that you're speaking to. Do you have a message that actually speaks to the pain that they should have that you help to solve? It doesn't mean that they have it, right? It just means that this group of people that you typically speak to have this problem in their organization that you help to solve. And then 
have you called them at the right time? Are they in a meeting? Are they are they out of the hospital or are they at their desk? They've just finished everything and you call them at that time and then they're ready to open to have a conversation with you. So I think in terms of preparation, the real preparation is always mental. It's always mental. You've got your call block set out when you're, you're you know, when you're going to start that, that, that activity. And in your mind, it is whatever happens, it's not about me. So therefore the next call, as soon as that comes in, I'm back to the top of my script. or I'm back to the top of what it is that I want to discuss with somebody. And it's that ruthless execution and consistency of action that will bring you the results that you're looking for. And when I say results, again, it's not just specific to landing a meeting. Results is I've learned more about this person. I've understood a little bit more about their world. I've understood that they're not investing in anything because they've just bought 10 solutions last year and they need to get ROI from that first before they can look at any other solutions. They've just downsized as a company and they've just lost people. There's been a block on any spend right now because X, Y, and Z happened in their finances last year. All of those things are wins, but the biggest wins are always placed on booking a meeting, which is why some people feel that maybe they are failing, but actually what you're doing is you're getting much more focused on the people within your ICP that you can speak to because you've eliminated those that you can't. So that, so in, in terms of getting to know those people a bit better then, how do you go about building rapport with someone when you're on a cold call with them? So I, I think that, and I used to, when I was started out in sales, thought that the rapport piece was all about, how are you today? Uh, look at the weather. Isn't it abysmal outside being in the UK, four seasons in one day kind of thing? It's like nonsense, right? The, for me, the rapport, what, what I believe I've learned about rapport anyway, it's all about being personable. It's all about being yourself, right? But it's also about when you call with a relevant message where somebody is then willing to have a conversation with you, the rapport comes through the intelligent and thoughtful questions that you ask. It comes through the little things that they say that maybe they think are throwaway, right? But you pick up on those things and then you put them back into the conversation, right? It comes from them saying, oh, the particularly challenging thing that they had. And then you responding and saying, tell me a bit more about that, for example. So it comes from being human. I don't think it comes from manufacturing questions to ask people that help to build rapport. I think it comes from being credible, from being personable, from being able to display your character on a call, but also to how well you listen to people and then formulate and ask questions based on those responses. It's really interesting that you say that actually, because all through recording these various podcasts and webinars I do, the key message really does seem to be that authenticity is absolutely the currency of all these things. If you can't authentically be yourself, that's going to be a huge barrier for you. It's encouraging to hear it's exactly the same on cold call. Something I did want to ask you, Anton, is we see all these videos go around on LinkedIn about here are the five best cold call openers. Do you have a favorite cold call opener? Does it change over time? Do you stick to a couple of old faithful ones? It's a good question. I don't have five openers that I can use on any one call, right? Typically, my approach is the same which is I will call the person and I will say, hey, look, you weren't expecting my call and I'm probably, probably an interruption right now. But if you've got a minute, just let me introduce myself and I'll tell you why I'm calling you today. Again, my focus is on getting into the conversation with people who want to get into a conversation, right? I know that there's a lot of talk out there and whatever works for people, 
that's all well and good. Some people like to call up and just stick it on someone. I'm calling about this and they don't give the other person a chance to breathe. And that's fine if that works for those people, that works for those people. What I want to do is I want to have somebody actually listen to what I'm saying and then say, okay, I've understood that message. This is where it resonates or this is where it doesn't resonate. And for me, that's more important than feeling, yeah, I'm doing well and I'm winning, I'm a champion because I'm, I'm just forcing myself onto people and getting them to listen to me. We don't know, truth be told, if I've experienced this a lot of times and maybe yourself, you can say the same, but you call somebody up, you get into the kind of your pitch, as it were, but you've caught them doing something and they're too polite to actually say, I'm not going to speak to you right now. I don't have the time. So they're tapping away on the keyboard. They're, they're doing these other things, reading something else. You can't see it, obviously, because they're on the phone, but you don't have their attention. And what I want to do is when I call somebody is make sure that I've asked for a minute of your time. So you're going to give me a minute to be able to explain the reason why I'm calling. And then after that, if you want to say, do you know what? It's not relevant. There's no point. In, I don't want to, there's, there's no point in carrying on this conversation. No problem. I've been mm. able to weed that out. But if it is of relevance and they say, do you know what? Yeah, I do. I do see that. Or I do have that. Well, we are looking at that internally right now. So it's good timing. That is the best way for me to establish those really, that's a really strong qualifier of somebody wanting to listen to me and somebody wanting to engage in a conversation. So for me, permission-based openers last two years, three years, maybe I brought this into my, my outbound. Before that, it was more about introducing myself, saying the reason why I was calling and then just going into a pitch. The, the biggest thing I think in terms of your outbound or if anything that you do is you can have a really strong opinion on something, but it's always about learning and understanding what other things can actually produce a result, right? So mm. I think it's, I can't remember the actual phrase, but I think it's strong opinions loosely held. Having the understanding that, yes, okay, great, this thing works. It doesn't mean that there isn't something else that can't work better, not just for me, but also for the people that I'm actually calling mm. it. <laughs> I like that. Strong opinions loosely held. Correct. Oh, that's very nice. I like that one. You mentioned, you mentioned having a script. How important is it to have a script? when you were making a cold call? For me, I think it's very important. The reason I think it's very important is because it tells you where you need to go, okay? It makes sure that you don't forget important things to mention. If you don't have a script, you're likely to get into, potentially get into the weeds with somebody in a conversation. Mm. And you get, as you mentioned before, you build this great rapport, you're speaking to somebody, all this kind of stuff, you get off the call, and you haven't mentioned the things that you need to mention. So I think a script is important, not necessarily that you have to be on a call and you have to save a verbatim <laughs> on that script and sound like you're a mechanical robot. It's important for you to have it in front of you when you get on those calls, because if you do deviate from it in terms of getting to a conversation with something that wasn't on your script, that's absolutely fine. That's a conversation, right? can come back to the thing that you need to make sure you get across so that you're giving them the most impact possible, the most information possible for the time that you're actually on the phone with them. In our organization, we have scripts for all client campaigns that we run. We have scripts. Why? Because we obviously have to speak to our customers. We have to say the messaging that we're using, what type of response we're getting to that messaging. And again, you know, you could have a script, that script typically will work for your 
three minute pitch, right? But on cold calls, you might get on a cold call and be with somebody for five minutes, 10 minutes, half an hour, depending on how that develops. So again, the importance is the framework. As long as you have the framework in front of you, then you can never go wrong. And you can always make sure that you get out the information that you need to within the time that you have. And then whatever you need to expand on, you're able to do so without the fear of getting lost that you haven't put in the things that you need to. Yeah, just to throw another quote back to you then, Anton, I think it's James Brown, so keep it loose, but keep it tight. So it's stick it, as you say, stick into the framework. And if it does go off a bit, fine, but just make sure to bring it back. Absolutely. How do you use data and analytics to improve your cold calling strategy? Data and analytics, I look at it in a couple of ways. So one mm -hmm. is the actual performance of the data itself, right? So if we're making calls on a daily basis, we don't just want to be, you might have a TAM of, let's just say 10,000 people, right? You don't just want to hit the 10,000. You want to segment it. You want to break it down. You want to make sure that you're calling people specifically within a set ICP that should all have the same message delivered to them for you to be able to understand the response. So you might have in each of your accounts that you're speaking to three or four different people that you can reach out to. All of those three or four different people have a different responsibility within their organization, meaning that they require different messaging. So the analytics first is, do we have the right level of data? Do we have the mobile number? Do we have, do we have the right mobile number? Somebody answers that mobile number and they're the actual person. Do we have the direct line? Do we have the right email address? Has all of this been verified and validated before we get on the phone? And then out of the actual activity, we'll come back what's right and what's not right for us to then be able to go and enrich and do the things that we need to in order to then tighten up on that specific area, right? Mm -hmm. We'll look at the, okay, how many, in terms of the analytics, how many calls do we make every day that gets us into how many conversations? How many of those conversations typically turn into next stages? So again, being able to understand that from a business point of view means that we know what our team should be doing every day for them to be as effective as they can possibly be. So we're always measuring and analyzing that and saying, okay, where do we need to, how do we need to improve this? Are we where we need to be? If we're below where we need to be, what are the things that we need to action to get that to a point of, to get that to where we see being the ultimate kind of holy ground, if that makes sense. And then the next stage of analytics and data for me comes from within the conversations itself. So when we're having these conversations, what types of things are being said that people are reacting to? What things are turning people off? What, when we're in these conversations, are we gleaning the type of information that we need? Are we doing that in one call? Are we doing that in two calls? Are we doing that in three calls? So it's about really understanding how stretched your process is, whether you can make that more condensed, or if that is just the way that your cadencing and your outbound works, which then feeds into your strategy for the future. So there's, I think those are the, the, the I'd say they've made the three main ways that we really do look at the data and analytics because it's all about performance, especially when you work in the world that we do, which is on behalf of customers going out to their target audience. How do we show the customer that we're progressing every single month or that we've learned from specific parts of outreach, parts of the outreach that we perform. If we can't show that, then we're not measuring anything efficiently enough. So that's where I think the biggest things for us are when it comes to measurement. Yeah. So then what, okay. So you're, you're going through your day of making cold calls. You call somebody, they don't answer. 
What are some of the best practices that you put in place to leave like a really compelling sort of voicemail to get them to entice you to call you back? It's a good question. And I would say that I don't have a voicemail script. I don't mm-hmm. have, I don't believe that there's necessarily anybody that I've read in terms of their books, sales leaders books, anybody that you might come across on LinkedIn. I don't think there's a script for getting people to call you back. I know for myself, I've probably got about 15 voicemails on my phone right now. That I've not listened, <laughs> right? It's just because I just can't be bothered to listen to voicemails. And if somebody's going to call me back, they'll call me back. So I, I think that people have a lot of information already that they're going through and that they're looking at. If I call somebody four or five times and they don't pick up, then I will drop them a voicemail. And in that voicemail, I will let them know that I'm sending them an email. So I'm not expecting you to call me back. Joe, I called for you today. I left you a voicemail. It was on this subject. When you get to your inbox, you'll see that there is an email for you titled voicemail for Joe. We'll give you some of the detail in there. I'll give you a call back in the next few days. That's typically the voicemail that I will leave. And that will only come if I'm, if I've called that person and they haven't picked up after a good amount of times, then it's more than likely that they really do vet who they pick up the phone to, or they're super, super busy. They might be more of an email person. So now let me leave a voicemail, reference that. If they ever listen to the voicemail, they know where to go. If they see the email, they know I've left the voicemail and I've been calling them. So it just ties that process up a little bit, but yeah, I don't, if there is a playbook in the world today <laughs> for voicemails that successfully get you returned calls then let me know. We will do. Yeah, we will do. Anton. We'll get you, you get you back on and just go, we found it. We've been looking after all this time and it's here. Antoine, thank you so much for joining me for the, this B2B sales playbook. I've really enjoyed chatting to you and yeah, you've given some amazing insights into cold calling. If I could limit you and ask you then for one top tip, one key thing that listeners of the B2B sales playbook can take away from this conversation, what is the most important thing to remember with cold calling? Most important thing for me to remember with cold calling is that detach yourself from the outcome of a meeting. The focus for you on your cold call should be to get information that you didn't have today about somebody in your prospect ICP. That information leads you on to what the next steps should look like. And that is always a win because just might not be ready today. doesn't mean that they won't be in six months time. You're building your pipeline for your mid to long term through your outbound efforts. So it's all about making sure that you're in the right mindset for your calling blocks every single day and that you're not relating your success only to the outcome of a meeting. Antoine Marsden, thank you so much for joining me for this B2B sales playbook. Been a pleasure. Thanks, Joe. Well, there you go. Antoine Marsden giving some brilliant insights into the art of cold calling. Our key takeaways then. Before you do so much as touch the phone, do some research on the person you're going to be calling. Find out the night before if you're calling the right person at the right time. Rejection is a natural part of the cold calling game, but remember this, they are rejecting the message, not you as a person. Adjust your mindset to ensure that this is forefront of your mind when someone hangs up. Generally speaking, if someone is rude to you, there's something else that they are frustrated about. Again, rejecting the message, not the person. Building valuable rapport is about solving your customer's pain point 
while chatting about the weather is nice and all, it's probably not going to move you along towards success. Detach yourself from the outcome of the meeting. Celebrate gaining more information on a prospect which may lead to a booking further down the line. Thanks again to Antoine for joining me and thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your pods and give us a five-star rating where possible. We'll be back again next week with another B2B sales playbook.